And we are super psyched to welcome our newest sponsor, Thunder Road Guitars. Thunder Road Guitars is the Pacific Northwest best source for premium, new, used, and vintage guitars, amplifiers, and pedals. Online or in their Seattle, that's West Seattle, or Portland stores. You'll find fantastic customer service and a terrific vibe. I know because I'm in there a lot. Grab a cup of coffee, swing on in, don't spill your coffee, and check it all out. And now if you use code TOURSTORIES10, you can get 10% off at thunderroadguitars.com. Yes, that's me playing guitar. Hello, big news from our friends over at DistroKid. They now have an app. This app works on iOS and Android, of course, and it's available in the Apple Store and Google Play Stores and all the stores where you buy apps. Go check it out. It's got a lot of cool features. You can upload new releases. You can get notified when you've earned royalties. Awesome. You can withdraw from the app via push notifications. A little dangerous for me, but rad. Anyways, go check it out. It's all at distrokid.com app. And don't forget, you can still get 30% off your DistroKid account by going to distrokid.com VIP slash tour stories. Have a great one. We continue to celebrate our friends and partners over at Isotope, and we got some big news for you. The gold standard of audio repair, RX11, is coming in May. In the meantime, you can buy RX10 now on sale and get RX11 absolutely free when it's released. Tour Story listeners get 10% off by using code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. All at isotope.com. That's I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com. Hello, Tour Story listeners. Thank you for your continued support, and welcome to Season 4. I'd like to take a second to thank our friends and sponsors over at Isotope. Here at Ruinous, Chris and I rely heavily on easy-to-use tools like RX and Ozone for all of our audio repair, mixing, and mastering. Now, Tour Story listeners can get 10% off Isotope plugins or try Music Production Suite Pro for free for 30 days using code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. To get your discount and check out all of their easy-to-use products, go to isotope.com slash ruinous. That's I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com slash ruinous. And use code FRET10. And thank you for listening. Hi, Laura. Hey, Joe. How are you? Fine. How are you doing? I'm good. Where are you? I'm in Portland. It's beautiful and sunny right now. It is? Yes, it is. Has it been? Because it hasn't been that way where I live. Not very far from you. <laughs> it hasn't been great at all, which is why I'm noticing that it's great. Yeah, it's kind of nice. How's Portland feeling these days? I haven't been in a few months. And uh, last time I was there, it was fine, but it seemed a lot different. Like our downtown here in Seattle, a little bit depressed. People aren't mm-hmm. bumbling around like they used to. Yeah, you can definitely feel the feel the stress of the pandemic uh, and the houselessness is an issue along the whole West Coast and throughout yeah. the country, but specifically the West Coast from what I understand. And I feel like in general, people are really struggling because 
we just have so many systemic problems in this country that seem to be in a gridlock. And so we don't need to get like deep into politics, but it doesn't feel, I don't feel like a, a sense of levity or lightness right now. It's just kind of a, it's been a hard week for everyone with the recent gun violence in the country. And yes, I think that just casts a dark cloud across everything right now. And it's, it's unavoidable. And I, I, I feel often a sense of just general societal breakdown and hopelessness and, I guess I'm curious to see how it feels when I go over to England because I'm going to head, be heading there in a week and I get the feeling that in other countries, obviously they don't, they don't have a gun violence issue in England, but um, they do have their own kind of political gridlock happening. But I'm curious to see how it feels, like you're saying, how does Portland feel? Portland feels fine, mm-hmm. quote unquote fine, yeah. but also there's this like underlying decay feeling like dystopian feeling that wasn't here when we were, you know, I moved here 15 years ago and that just wasn't, it wasn't here. And, and I, of of course, uh, I'm glad that you finally get to go on tour. If this is your first touring in a lot of years. Um, It is. Yeah. First um, in three years. Yeah. And needless to say, uh, one thing you and I have in common as musicians is we've had some, performance and touring limitations over the last couple years and for a lot of us it is our livelihood and a means of income and that's that's been hard for me mm-hmm. uh, but I've, I've been pretty fortunate and been able to figure some other things out but in addition to that you have faced some pretty major life changes you've had a divorce you've separated from a working partner on top of that, you have you have children, and I'm wondering how you found the energy and the emotional bandwidth to make this new record, which is a sprawling, concise, beautiful record. I've been listening to it a ton. Oh, thank you. And um, I'm just I, after listening to it for the last couple of weeks. In the middle of it, of all this listening, I was just like, how did you? do this in this time frame yeah thank you for noticing that it was really hard (laughs) that had to have been (laughs) yeah so for people who don't know i am a songwriter and i've been doing this for 25 years and my ex-husband was my producer for 20 of those years so we had this long relationship in collaboration that that went south and we have, we have kids together and we owned a studio and a house and all this stuff fell apart. So, and then as that was falling apart, the pandemic started. So it's like, yeah. um, you know, single parenting and the pandemic was so hard. Um, and then just like figuring out who I was as an independent musician, because my identity had become so mixed up with him and like our duo kind of like, you know, he was the producer who made tons of decisions. His name's Tucker Martin, um, about like all, all, a lot, basically so many things. I kind of like, in a way I liked giving him control, I guess is kind of a weird word, but it felt like a working relationship that I liked for many years because, you know, when you're doing this, you have so many decisions to make, like, okay, what are the lyrics going to be? What, what is the, melody going to be and then what are the chords going to be there's like 500 million decisions to make in that and then which of these many songs that i write am i going to record that's when he came in it's like okay listen 
and help me figure out which songs to pick. And then he would have a clearer vision than me about like how we were going to add instrumentation and production stuff. And then as time went on, record making just didn't feel as fun. And I, I tried to start working with someone else, but it just didn't work till we actually broke up. But mm-hmm. because we were so intertwined and my, my, I guess, you know, I could, I, I would not advise someone to do what I did in a way because for a while I was like, it was so cool because it was working. And then we had all these things in common. Like we had the kids, we had the working relationship, we had the house, the studio it was like, but then when it didn't work, it was like, how do you figure this out on your own? It was like way too enmeshed. Mm-hmm. So I would suggest for people to be more like a little separated out in terms of not everything, not all your eggs in one person's basket. Sure. So I had to get my eggs out of the basket and like figure out like where, who do I have eggs and like which basket, like right. how do I do this yeah. on my own? And so it took me a long time and like a lot of dabbling. And so, <clears throat> I mean, two years for some people that would be fast, but for me, it did feel like a long process of like, okay, I could try to record this on my own, but then I'm, <clears throat> I get blocked sometimes with tech stuff. I did actually record one of the songs on the albums called can't help but sing, but Mm-hmm. I recorded some initially with Dave Depper at his house in Portland, the multi-instrumentalist from Death Cab for Cutie, who's a good friend of mine. And that was fun, but it didn't feel like quite the right thing. And then, but we did get a few tracks from that session that we kept on the album. And then I reached out to John Parrish, who's done like, this is the kit, Aldous Harding and PJ Harvey and a bunch of records that I love. And he was going to come over last September, but then, it got blocked by COVID. So last minute, I reached out to my old friend, Shazada Smiley, who's a Brooklyn-based producer, who I'd toured with in Italy about 15 years before. And he had made a record with Sam Amidon that I love. And I had asked Sam, who's a good friend of mine, like, was it fun working with Shazad? He's like, he's a great person to work with in the studio. So Shazad luckily was free very last minute to come make the record with me in Portland. We did half in Portland at Jackpot, which is close to where I live in Southeast. And then we did half in Brooklyn at his place, Figure 8, which is a really cool studio there. So it was really transformative because Tucker, my ex, is a great record producer, but he's very, and I'm proud of the work we did. And it basically, like you were saying, like I'm a little more fortunate than some musicians in that I have pretty good passive income for my songwriting, so I don't have to tour. And like a lot of musicians have to tour to make their living. So we made 11 records together that give me an income source. So it's like, they're not nothing, you know, they're right. good. They're pieces of art that I'm proud of, but he's very like jewel. Like I would call him like a jewelry maker in terms of the way he makes records, very like precise and organized, which is one way of doing it. But it was really neat to work with Shazad where we, we decided to co-produce. So we were making decisions together and we recorded it all live. He was playing drums and I was playing guitar live and singing and then he was overdubbing bass. But like I would I would make up the bass parts and he would play them and then I would add keyboards and he would add keyboards and then we flew stuff stuff off to Sam Amadon and Kate Stables and we had some guests from around the world coming in. Um, but largely it was just the two of us playing live and getting it in one or two takes, which was new for me. I didn't even know mm. I could do that. And it was so gratifying to be like, Yes, I'm good at this, you know, not that I yeah. I didn't I mean I just hadn't done it, so I didn't know if I could do it. And I can. It was great. It was like a very confidence-boosting experience. So you say that this is maybe kind of the first time you've done the, the first or second take. Yes. 
And live, like singing, playing or live, live yeah. with a musician. That was just like, oh, fuck, yeah, I can do this. I'm good at this. Like, yes. You know, I just <laughs> didn't know. I didn't know, you know? So yeah. you do it. So That's monumental. That's, it is. Yeah. After this long, right? I mean, it's been 20, well, this is my 12th album, but 13th if you count Case Line Beers. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, I'd like to play um, Seaside Haiku. Is that cool? Yeah, sounds great. All right, here it goes. Somewhere beyond these cold winds from Japan, the million suns turn the black and gold sand. I drop my glove and it rolls in the wind. I'll give a lot, but not too much away. Uh. that mantra if i can call it a mantra uh give give give, but don't give too much yeah give but don't give too much of yourself away yeah i I love that sticks in my head thank you i just love repetition and there's a lot of it on your record and some of it's a little bit implied or it's like reverbed 
out mm-hmm. and it's kind of delaying and stuff. But that that's a part of the production that really grabs me on this record. And I want to talk about a couple songs. But first, on in that song in particular, there's a pause in the middle of the song. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me what inspired that? It's really neat. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. I think, I mean, that's just something I like in music. I just like space. And I've been trying to make an album that's very sparse for a long time. And mm-hmm. I haven't I haven't pull, pulled it off. Yeah. But I mean, on this album, you do hear several songs that are very sparse, like just my voice and guitar. And I like that we we made that happen because I was, it's sort of my ultimate dream. I mean, honestly, I'm pre- feeling quite disconnected from music these days, so I don't feel like writing or anything like that. But I'm more moving into visual arts right now. But I do this over my career. I like move around different fields, but like take a break from music. But if I did another record, like a goal of mine in life would be to make kind of like a blue, you know, like a Joni Mitchell blue type record where the songs are so uh-huh. strong, you really don't need anything, like almost nothing. That would be cool. So, but yeah, I just like, I like, I don't know why I did that. I can't, I, I, I don't know why I do anything with songwriting. I just kind of do it over and over. And then usually I don't keep my ideas, but then occasionally one will, will work. And so in that case, I just remember thinking like, I like that it's very cleared out here and it gives that sense of space and loneliness that I'm kind of like grappling with in the lyrical content of that song. And it gives that space of like oceanic stillness, like like the open ocean kind of view is what I see in my mind when I see that, when I feel that space of that break. So basically I was... I would just love to make an album that's very sparse. And so I get into that sparse realm in the middle of that song. Another song that, that well, actually the first song that really pulled me in on this record, it has some sparseness, if that's a word to it. Um, but it's also um, what what really pulled me in was the, the literal lyrics that speak to me directly. Um, I run, I run by a eucalyptus tree and I also grew up in California. Oh, there you go. <laughs> and when I was listening to it, I was not by the eucalyptus tree, but I was just about four blocks away from it when I was listening to it. Uh huh. So that immediately pulled me in. But the production on that song is a little trancey or, mm-hmm. or dancey or, or um, it kind of reminded me of Johnny Jewel production or as Italians do it better. It's, it's great. So anyways, I've listened to that song a thousand times since I got it. And my favorite part about that song is the lyric, you crushed me and those who loved me love me, I believe. Yeah, thank you. I'm glad. That that song was actually the most complicated one to record. It started off as a bossa nova rhythm. Mm-hmm. And I, I knew there was like a core of a good song in there, but the rhythm really bothered me. And so it took many iterations of different drum and bass parts to find what we found. And it was basically taking everything away. But I like I like where it ended up and the the rain sound is a field recording from a storm that just suddenly popped up while I was waiting for Shazad. We were going to go out to lunch at the studio in Brooklyn mm-hmm. and I was waiting out front and the rain started and I got the recording of that and it just adds this cool extra element to it. Yeah. And the song Signal speaks to me too because that's your, that's your drummiest number. Yeah. Signal ended up being one of my favorite songs on the album. And that one, I think I love because of the the drumming. 
that's Shazad Ismaili on drums. It's just so, I don't know, something about the way the guitar part, the guitar part is so repetitive. It could yeah. possibly be boring, but I think the way that the, the lyrics overlay with the guitar overlay with the drums is sort of off in places in a cool way that I like on that song. I'm going to borrow that drum rhythm if you guys don't mind. Go for it. Thank you. This this is free. This is free speech. This is open. (laughs) What's it called? I don't know. Just like open source. Yes, open source music, folk music. Every. (laughs) Um, the last thing I want to say is there is a, and I I haven't been able to find a good example for it, but there's an overall vocal texture that to me is is a meeting of of kind of West Coast cool jazz and 60s pop and cinematic vocals. And it, it's really illustrated in, um, does New Arms have a, a male vocal in the end? Yes, Carl Blau makes an appearance at the end on that yeah. one, yes. And it's really illustrated in that in that end of that where I think there's kind of a vocal uh, phrasing that's maybe repetitive or something. But that I think is, is an overall texture to the record. Um, do you look to 60s vocal groups or or anything cinematic when you were working on this record? That didn't come up per se, although Shazad and I both have a very wide range of interests in music. And Mm -hmm. so I wouldn't be surprised if he he was referencing that more uh, or if that's part of his aesthetic. I'm still trying to figure out his aesthetic because he's like one of these world... I mean, he's like very versed in world music and tons of different instruments. And so... He's coming from like a very, very eclectic, diverse way of thinking about music. And so I'd be curious to ask him that question. I was a little less yeah. involved with that level of treatment on the production, but mm-hmm. um, I like the way the vocals sound. And I like the way this this album's a departure in a way, just because Shazad and I were working together for the first time. It's a departure from my older records, but it's not like a radical departure because it's still me writing the songs and singing them so and it's like not it's not like i went from like abstract expressionist paintings to like detailed watercolors it's like right. still the same kind of textural palette of like nature i mean i'm kind of i did push myself lyrically to be more direct and and more vulnerable on this album because i was like that's just what i went through i went through a very vulnerable time mm-hmm. and a divorce with kids is painful and i was like well you could just stop doing music or you could try to figure out how to write about this because that's what you do, you know, yeah. for your for your life, your your passion, and also your your work. So I did push myself to do this because I didn't want to retire from music having not done this. And also more than that, I was like, this is such a difficult thing to go through, and it's so universal. It's so, like so common. Um, that certainly someone's going to relate to this and feel seen by this. And it can be such a private, sad situation and so liberating at the same time. And so I was like, well, this is your job. You're going to write about this record and you're going to make this. And But like you said, how did you get the energy? I think it was that deeper energy of like, well, what are you doing on this earth? You know, like, what's your point? And I think a lot of people had that question in the pandemic. Yeah. And I was like, well, one of the things you do is you figure out how to put words to music and make records. And you have to do it again and talk about this experience in, in a way that's really honest and vulnerable, even though it's uncomfortable. 
Well, thanks for persevering because it is a beautiful record and it's a real tonal and textural odyssey. It's really a fun, interesting listen. Thank you. um, Thank you for listening at that level. I appreciate it. Of course, as usual, lyrically beautiful. Thank you. (laughs) Um, Well, Found Light comes out July 8th, and it looks like you have some dates. Is that right? Yeah, I'm going to go to England next week. We couldn't quite get everything lined up because of the supply chain and all that, but um, the album comes out. I will be able to sell my vinyl on the road in England, but the album mm-hmm. won't be out till I'm done from that tour, but then it'll be out July 8th, and then I go out through the U.S., mostly East Coast on this first mm-hmm. run, and then I'll do some West Coast in the fall. Okay. What will be your instrumentation on tour? Full band? Solo? Solo. Um, I have guests coming out in different towns um, to join on a few songs, and I have a looping pedal, which I use sparsely to, you know, because some of these songs are so repetitive, I can start to add layers and take things off. And I don't go overboard with the looping, but I do think mm-hmm. it adds, it adds to, it adds to the solo show to a degree on certain songs. I'll only use it like four times in the set, but I have to be really careful about finances now, like most musicians and also being a single mom. So I was just like, I got to go solo right now, but <clears throat> for financial reasons and logistical reasons, but I hope to, you know, I hope to play some of these songs with a band. I did actually play some of these songs with a band in Portland and Seattle last December, and that was fun. But All I'm right. sort of still like searching for my next thing in music, like who I want to play with and what kind of music I want to make in the future. But right now it's it's kind of feeling good to go out solo to just get back, like I was saying, like get, getting back in touch with myself as an individual separate from this like very enmeshed partnership with my ex who's a musician also it's good for me to go solo and yeah be, be pushed to like just be strong on stage alone and and i actually sometimes feel more comfortable on stage alone because although i love to play with musicians and i feel like we can really make cool stuff happen live um expansive improv fun stuff that i can't do on my own i do find that like in some ways playing solos easier because I can feel more free to just shoot the shit with the crowd and just like have like random banter stories that go on and on. And yeah, if the band's there, I feel a little bit like I'm wasting their time. <laughs> so <laughs> when they're not there, I'm like, yeah, I just, it's more free in terms of like, I could just improv the set a little more and like add it, ask for more requests and stuff like that. Right. Are any of these have any of these songs surprised you when you've been rehearsing them? Uh, as in, uh, they're going to be extra fun to play or extra difficult. Uh, well, i've I've been I've been not playing very much music. I've been painting all the time. I don't know what uh, this thing is, but i I am going to start practicing. And I did a show recently, and I realized like Seaside Haiku is a it's a cool one to try to do with the pedal because I can get the main part going. And then I have found that there was a challenge there because like one thing I've been experimenting more with on this new record is playing out of time, adding things that are not in time for, for layers. Like, so the, these like washed out acoustic guitar things that are happening on Seaside that are like during the uh section are out of time. And so what I'm learning when I play live this song with the looper is the main parts going in time, but then I have to do the uh in time while I'm doing the guitar extra overlays out of time. So singing in time 
and doing guitar out of time with a guitar part that's in time is like a big challenge. But I love yeah. stuff like that. It's like such a brain cruncher. I do Wordle every day, like the Wordle oh, New did. York Times. Yeah. It's like every morning I'm like, I think my brain's staying strong because I'm doing Wordle every day. <laughs> and that's how I feel like when I'm playing something out of time with something in time. You yeah. know, like it's kind of like drumming right, yeah. and singing at the same time or sure. bass playing and singing is different than guitar playing and singing because there's just more, I feel like there's just more brain exercise happening. Right. Sounds fun. Yeah, it is fun. Well, I I hope I get to see it, some version of it, I'm probably in the fall here. On yeah, the yeah. Let I me run. know and, and I'll put you on the list. Okay. Well, I can bring my drums. That'd be great. All right. Um, all right. Well, travel safe. And okay. have a lovely time. Thanks for yeah. talking to me. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. All right, take care. All right, bye. Bye. On my morning run today I passed a eucalyptus tree Reminded me of California My life way before I knew ya Eucalyptus smells sweet And with its gray-green leaves it's beautiful And like you, it'll drop its branches suddenly You crushed me And those next to me who loved me, loved me you crushed me and those next to me who love me, love me. I met a Turkish man who sells rugs. He seemed very gentle like he knew love. I met a Brazilian who taught me to dance. My life.